yo, yo, once again, once again, once again, we are back at the Hanging at the House podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Watt, Vision House Studios. And on today's episode, we got the big homie, the YouTube extraordinaire from Creative Sounds, super producer, Kevin Thanks. What's happening? What's going on, man? Man, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate that a lot. I've been uh, a fan for a very long time here, and I want to get your take on a few things of what it is. Well, let's start with we both went to Full Sail. Mm-hmm. Both graduated from Full Sail. We both are independent uh, businessmen mm-hmm. that have found our way navigating through the last couple of years to try to be as successful as possible to give back knowledge to give back some game tips and tricks and build a community and keep it strong for what it is. Absolutely. That's what today's show is about. And we'll get into a little bit of each. Where would you like to start at? I'm following you, man. Whatever you want to talk about. I'm an open book today. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's start with, uh, let's get into a little bit about full sale. What did you do? Did you do music before you went to full sale? Yes, yes. I like to tell people I was born this way. As soon as I was born, I I think I just automatically had the, it was who I was because my parents are musicians. And so it was like, they left me no choice. They didn't give me an option to become a doctor or a fireman or something like that. It was just automatic when I came around. Uh, you from the shot, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Born and raised. West side or south side? South side. Okay, okay. Wild Hunters or close to the 71st? Or? Closer to, yeah, the 79th Ashton area. Okay, got you, got you. Yeah, you super south side. You over there by just past the museum and all that, science and industry and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm from the west side, born and raised, K-Town. Okay. Yeah, so we both had probably similar influences um, from coming from the city that is eclectic as it is when it comes to the music scene because you know we got to see some of everything yeah so how do you think that that which your between your parents in the city what where was your start where was your beginnings at well for most of us a lot of people around me it was it was church going so you know my parents were were uh church goers at the time um, especially when you are in music, you kind of like, you find your way in church. And that's a lot of people's story more so. So that's kind of how I got my started. Uh, we, we was regulars and because I was around and my parents was involved in the church as well. I, um, growing up was able to, you know, like most kids will walk up to the, the, the instrument section, particularly the drums and, you know, it's always somebody, little kid over there trying to trying to bang on the drums or somehow. And I was one of those kids. And then a lot of it, I guess it was just the fact that it make noise. You know, a lot of kids, that I know that's that's what they see and they grow up and they get into something else. But for me, it was a little different. I, I it, it stuck with me. And so I became the church drummer after a while. I taught myself how to play and it just became a part of, of me. It was already in me. Okay. So that's 
That's how it started. How long did you play drums in church? Um, it was years. It was years. I say I've been playing probably around maybe nine years old. I think that's what I think. I, I remember playing around nine, and then from then, I say like till like maybe six, seven years ago, I stopped playing for church. So it's been okay. Yeah, it's been a good years. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Like, like, accomplished with that. Yeah. And then fast forward to deciding to go to Full sale to get, what made you, did you do audio production or music production? I did uh, uh, music production at Full Sail University, but I, I was always, you know, even though I was a drummer, I I don't know, it was just, that 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 wasn't the only thing that I, that I liked doing. It, 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 it evolved into playing with the mix board in the back of the church, and then, you know, one thing, turn into another playing with the keyboard and you know it was just like anything i can get into they make sound and you know that's just that's how it happened for me yeah yeah and the the, <laughs> the constant curiosity yeah and probably challenging yourself and seeing uh i think a big part of a lot of producers now you can correct me you know agree disagree whatever is we have a natural curiosity as to what does this do what does that do? Mm-hmm. And how can I use that? It's like we talked about yesterday. It's how you use the tools that you have at your disposal that make right. the noise of what you make or the sound or how you develop further than there. So you got to fiddling around with some of everything. And next thing you know, you're you're a YouTube sensation overnight. <laughs> After hundreds of videos. <laughs> Well, it, it didn't really happen overnight for me. It was it was more so of a, a gradual situation for me because I, I started at a very young age, um, like you said, with the curiosity as a kid, walking up to the drums like everybody else, and it it eventually became a part of me, my life, you know. And then one thing led to another. I when I play the drums, you know, in and out of rehearsals or, you know, playing live or whatever, even though I'm the guy holding the beat, I, I was also like a, a, uh, conductor, like a spiritual producer in in a sense. I wasn't a producer yet, but I was like, I was picking up on like the singers and how well they were singing. And it's like, if they hit a flat note, I make a face or they hit a sharp. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And I'm the drummer, right? Like, I'm not supposed to be in tune that much. I'm supposed to just play the drums, but I'm listening. And so that's when I realized I had, like, a, a gift for, like, I don't know, production and getting into that type of stuff. And then there's just one thing led to another. What was your um, your first experience like when you first got when you first started your studio what was some of the first gear that you picked up that you just had to have well during my phase at church as a kid they the church had bought this one keyboard i can't remember i think it was a yamaha they bought this one keyboard and uh i realized that it can record tracks on it meaning i can record the the kick the, the snare and then the piano sound and then the synth. It was like I can layer stuff and I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I guess that would technically be my first equipment. I didn't own it. So I just always 
kind of hung around after the church service was over with or like when we are there on a weekday doing different activities like Bible class or something like that, I'll either go early or I'll stay a little later as long as long, you know, as much as I could. And, um, one of the band members saw what I was doing and lend me his keyboard. He allowed me to take his, uh, I think it was a Korg, no, a Korg, I can't remember, Trinity. It was, that's what it was. It was a Korg Trinity. Let me take that home for a while. And I just used that to make beats. But my very first one that I owned, that I paid money for, was a Korg Triton, Triton Studio. And okay. 16 tracks, so I can record up to 16 tracks on there. Um, and to be honest, I couldn't take the credit for that. It was my wife or my girlfriend at the time that that uh, bought my first keyboard. Shout out to the wives and girlfriends. Yeah, that, that support the dream. Absolutely, she was. Yeah, she was my girlfriend at the time, and she's my wife today. When she did that, I was like, "Yep, <laughs> I got one. That, that's it. That's it. She's the one." Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> Man, that was a big, that was a huge undertaking. I remember we got a little bit of age difference between us, but I was actually working at Guitar Center when those things came out. And I remember wow. going through training for uh, the Triton when it came out, the Trinity, the Oasis. I was huge in the core gear that I couldn't afford, but I had access to it once again because I was working at Guitar Center. So after the store closed, right. we would jam after, you know, after customers leave and whatnot. Or you get to come in early before you got to work and then play with something that's on the showroom floor or something. So, yeah, I dig that, definitely. Wow. And, wow. okay, so that that makes a lot of sense as to, you know, watching you on YouTube and, and, and seeing your production style. It's like you come from before you had a screen, before you had a computer screen and a keyboard and mouse to work with. When you had to yeah. use, you know, your ears had to be the the final say so. Your ears had to be the executive producer as to what was coming out. Yep. Yeah, that's what's up. Absolutely. Yep. And that's where it all started. Uh, while we talking about uh, transitioning away from from that, what actually made you now? So you was making music the whole time, well before YouTube existed. Right. What made you gravitate to making videos? about you making music? I think it was after building my craft, you know, becoming very good at what I what I was doing. I've worked with several people like locally and um I also had to, uh, I was I was blessed to be able to play on a couple of records. You know, I was becoming this this I guess you you know, new this new thing, this new kid on the block that was, you know, being talented and, and you know, in, in, in this field and just picking up really quickly. And so after like doing that, I met so many people and uh, I was able to be like the one, I guess, guru in the making at that time. A lot of people were asking me questions about how, how I do this or that, how I get that sound and, you know, that type of thing. And then, um, when I found out about YouTube, I thought it was a joke. I'm like, YouTube, like, like, why would you, you know, a bunch of people just uploading videos and, you know, from their phone. And, and, it, was, and it was like, I didn't take it serious then. I just, it, it didn't, it wasn't something that registered to me at that time. But it, it kept being introduced to me. And a lot of people, I, I, I find that a lot of people were able to get videos up for free and just upload them and they would go viral. And I'm like, hmm, 
okay? And but before I started, I even though I was helping a lot of people then, as far as like the, the audio world and you know production that type thing, I um I I try to remain humble, and so I think that was, and I'm still that way now. But I just never felt like I was good enough to upload anything and share any of the knowledge that I've learned because I feel like there's always somebody better than me and like who am I to get on YouTube and start sharing tips and tricks and stuff like that so I think what did it for me was one night I was up watching YouTube and I just saw some videos of people like videos is going viral and many likes and views and they really weren't like I felt like again I'm humble but I just felt like I I could do a whole lot better than this guy, you know? <laughs> like, what what is he doing? And he's he's getting a, a million views and I'm like, Well, there's my confidence. Maybe I should give it a try. You know, if if these people are doing it, then I'm I'm pretty sure I could do it. So I gave it a try. I started uploading videos and then, you know, I just, you know, dip feet my dip dip my feet in the water and just, you know, see where it goes. And then before you know it, uh People just started, you know, coming in and I started getting traction and I'm like, you know what, I could probably get used to this. And now people are asking me questions, more and more questions. And then I think I was fascinated with the fact that I could get on YouTube and I can I can spread the word to people beyond Chicago. You know, and then those people from LA and Atlanta and even from outside of the US. I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. That's that's really cool. People from Spain chiming in. I'm like, you know what? I, yeah. And then from there, it's just, it, was, it was a wrap. That's a different type of bug you caught. <laughs> yeah. I, I caught a similar bug on, on Twitch. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm more, I don't do a lot of recording. I do it live and call it a day. But, man, like, that's a different bug. It's like you still get your first fix from the music. And then mm-hmm. you see people that are making videos similar to what you do, and you like, I already do that, but I do it this way. Right. And because, you know, that's that's one of those things. And I'm glad you kept it going because that's how I ran it. Is that how Creative Sound, Creative Sound with a K, uh, Creative Sounds <laughs> with a K started? Right. Yeah, well, speaking of that, um, that has not been the name all this time it has it has evolved over time but yeah that's that's the start um at the time i called it k sound or kj sound started out as a kj sound that's my nickname that my family gave me and um then i changed it to k sound and i gave that k a different meaning so it, it became creative because i wanted to stay in that lane of just being creative and, and not being like you know bogged down by rules you know People say, you got to do it this way. And I'm like, nah, I, there's so many other ways to do something. And so Creative Sound, you know, like I said, it started out as KJ Sound, which was my name. It's really what I'm saying is this is my sound. So right, right. that's where that's where that came in, my sound. And then I'll say, and then it evolved into Creative Sound. Yeah, that's that's definitely how it got started. Okay, okay. I like the backstory behind that. I wondered, and yeah. then I'm like, I'm going to ask him when I talk to him. So that's how it went down. I like that story. That's pretty dope. And uh, fast forward a little bit more, and now you're developing into doing 
newer, bigger, better, and different things. F- uh, for the people that are listening, you want to drop your socials and your site and all of that stuff real quick where the people could come check you out? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as as we've been saying throughout the entire podcast, uh, the Creative Sound, you can, you can find me, Creative Sound. I go by the name of Ella, E-L-I-D. That's my name. So if you, if you type that in, you will most likely bump into Creative Sound. Um, creative Sound is spelled K-R-E-A-T-V-E. So it's spelled with the K without the I. And the word sound, regular spelling. Um, you can find me on YouTube that way. You can also find me on Instagram as well. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook. I think I said Facebook. So yeah, you, if you if you just Google that, you'll you'll find me. <laughs> yeah, hit his YouTube up. Go subscribe, follow, hit the little notifications. Especially if you use uh, even though we're not being sponsored, we're gonna shout them out anyway. Personas and Studio One. That's the 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 Dolph choice currently right now. The the mainstay of YouTube and other productions and whatnot that he's got going on. But he can continue mm-hmm. to talk about that. So get at the man, support creative sounds, support a lot. You know, your independent artists that are out there. This, this guy's giving away a lot of free game and and being an inspiration to creators of all ages from all over the place. Absolutely. So let's uh, peel into what we were talking about with, with the tools of the trade. And, you know, since I think that since you come from the Cork era of having a workstation before we was on computers, what do you think about how your tools have evolved and how has that helped you in being creative? That, wow, that's a, that's a good question. I, I actually feel like we are in a good space and I am, highly appreciative to technology and, and where we are now and how it evolved from the moment I started. Like I say, I started using the, uh, the Korg Triton. And of course, back in those days, I was also involved in the Akai NPC. So I have that strongly in my background. Um, as a drummer at the church I was playing playing for, I, I was fortunate to be able to play with the full band that consists of the bass, which was my father playing the bass. We had a keyboardist. We had guys on colors. We had a guy on, a guy on organ. We had a horn section. We had a couple of guitars. So I, I had okay. a full, yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a full, a full band. There was, there was a choir there. There was a, like a praise and worship team. And so our church was, was very musical in that sense. Music, you know, every, everything was musical and the, the PA system was, was rocking where we had subwoofers and like it was it, w- it was like a live event like serious live event like every Sunday so I, I was fortunate to be around that type of stuff but anyway being a drummer and and coming coming from that background we like like I was trying to say with the NPC I ran the NPC in the background um, running loops and, and whatnot and so that was kind of like my background and then you know the chord or whatever. Then when I got to the studio, it was it was it was me bringing the court the court the Triton with me and the NPC with me, and I would track like one by one. I think on the NPC was like left and right at the time. I I didn't have I couldn't expand it. I didn't have that capability or whatever. But my my Triton was I was allowed to do up to four tracks at, one time. at a time yeah, or something like that. that. <laughs> so 
uh, we had to MIDI clock them into an ADAC system, which um, sync them both uh, via MIDI clocking. Um, and that's how we was able to get the, the music out, printed into to the ADAC or whatnot. And that's how we did. Like, every time I come up with a track, we just kind of sat there and just dump it in there, and then we'll go into recording. But nowadays, we don't have to do that. Everything is digital. You just confused half the population with saying you yeah, had the MIDI yeah. clock out to an ADAT. I remember them days. <laughs> like, <Yep>. what? <laughs> yep, yep. Go exactly. Google that. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those, those, uh, that, that was around that time I got started. And um, I think I was introduced shortly after that I had a, I had a uh, one of my 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 buddies who's also a, a, a beat maker and, and um, he introduced Fruity Loops to me, and again I just thought that that was so fruity like like I thought it was like lean that's the term we used to use back in those days <laughs> I I just I couldn't get with it I'm like what is this computer music stuff like that it like light bright <laughs> <laughs> like what what is this I'm like, you're not a real producer or, you know, if you making beats on a computer, come on, man. Like, I just always thought that you had to be in the big studio with all of this gear and, um, you know, running wires all over the place. And that's just because that was my background. And then um, I caught on to it. Like, shortly after that, I caught on to it. And then um, instead of getting into Fruity Loops, I got into Pro Tools. So Pro Tools was... My introduction, I think it was 7.0 LE, yeah. the version I had. Yeah. And um, the inbox one? Yep. The in- <laughs> <laughs> yep. Inbox, the inbox one. And, and like, if you don't have it connected, you was not gaining access to Pro Tools yeah. because that was the only way that they talked to each other. And yeah, I remember those days. It was, and then fast forward, I think, um, I think it was around Pro Tools 8 is when they, change things up now you don't have to have an interface you, you're, you're not bound by you know this stuff now we're gonna give you an eye lock i'm like <laughs> oh, okay i i guess but you still have to have something plugged in in order to you know that was they they were being slick but i get it though i mean but yeah um just with, with all people. that being said yeah 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 but with with all that being said i mean coming from those days where things were like you know, it was more involved in in terms of music and, you know, production or whatnot, doing more physically connecting wires, doing all these different things and, or like not being able to run something because you got to have this connected, you know, that type of thing. Fast forward to the day, all you need is a laptop and a, not even a MIDI keyboard. You can like, make chords on the keyboard that comes on like a laptop and you know that's what these kids are doing nowadays and in a set of headphones you you sound (laughs) like a super og that's what these kids doing nowadays (laughs) they got the laptop yeah 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 Yeah. um yeah i I guess i kind of adopted that you know i'm uh i used to hate being considered older or whatever uh, I it, I guess it kind of always been a part of me. Like I've always kind of thought, or the way I think was a little more mature than a lot of my peers. So I kind of always had that the way of talking. But uh, um, yeah, the, yeah, 
Whipper snappers with their laptops. Yeah. And, <laughs> and no keyboard. <laughs> no, nah, but young whooper snapper. <laughs> it's 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 all good with, you know, that's what they were raised into. Because I remember hearing, you know, people say my first keyboard was uh that I bought myself was a Roland JX three oh five groove synth. And I would love I love the strings on some of those, but I could never play a string instrument. I didn't play violin or nothing like that. So I had people that was telling me back then when I was using a synthesizer, kind of like you did with the Triton, it's like, well, you can't play those instruments. You know, they looked at us like we were cheating right. at that point in time because you had 16 tracks coming out of one, what did they call it, workstation at that time. I remember doing those passes too, sidebar. Four tracks at a time, two passes each. If you had eight tracks, you had to go back four times <laughs> to get right. like a loop down and you would let it run all the way out and then mute stuff. Like 30 minutes later, we're done tracking. So yeah, shout out right. to people that have advanced technology for us to be able to record a bunch of stuff at one time without having to pass it over again. That does speed up the process a lot. Right, right. So uh, one part of the show, I like my guests to come on and give a little bit of, I want to say behind the scenes, so to speak, for doing different things with their career, so to speak. So if you had to give some advice about between let's say, what did you, what path did you feel like you took in order to get the sponsorships that you have? And how did you use YouTube as a platform to get to that stage? Well, during my journey in, in this music giant, you know, in this music industry from when I started till, till now, I I've seen a lot happen between these times and, th and, and things change a lot, like a lot. And it, and it changed really fast. The way things were back then has tre tremendously changed. Um, if you were a music producer back then, you were a music producer. That was your job. That was all that you, all that you did. You, you know, you don't have to worry about anything else because that's just what you do. And if you're working with artists, it was usually the artist that will be the the guy or the or the girl that's promoted and you know the forefront or whatever and that's how it was back back in the day you know the artist was the one that that got all of the clout and all of the fame and the glory and you a lot of times you didn't know what the who the producer was or the mix engineer was back then but fast forward to today today is a little bit different and I was fortunate to be able to catch on to what was going on so as a as a producer we now have to act like we are the artists as well. So we have to produce and promote ourselves as though we are the people up front. So um, what I do or my my um, advice to, to people is just, uh, you know, as a producer, just like continue doing what you do. But social media is everything. You You have to make your presence known on social media. Um, learn how to use tags when you're promoting your music and things like that. Post regularly because that's that's another factor. And uh, you have to look like you're an artist these days. Like you got to post a, a, a picture and it's got to be clean. Like you went and did a photo shoot. You know, that's just what it is nowadays. Like it's no longer those days where you just sit back chilling and, you know, you got to look like you are a professional. And, and, um, I think that's the the big thing 
in in terms of like advice for the the younger or the you know the beat makers, new newcomers or whatnot, or even maybe so to to the the older generation that has been in music for a long, long time and just was like, you know, I can't get with these young people, these young bucks, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, what are they doing? You know, well, things have changed. You're no longer just a guitar player anymore. You, If you want work, you got to like post a nice picture up and you got to post your guitar licks and do stuff and, you know, make yourself known. That's that's kind of where we are right now. So selling yourself like an artist. We, we doing everything. But, but doing the business that goes along with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. That's some good advice right there, especially yep. for you know in in that space. If that's the space you want to occupy, you want to be able to translate over. Um, there's different lanes, but your lane, I think in particular, is one that's really unique to today's market, and it's a lot of people that's trying to jump into that without understanding how, because you do, I mean, the video editing, like you said, the photo shoots, that's outside of the music and then protecting the music and being constantly being visible is something for uh, monetization on YouTube and whatnot. That's really important as to how much longevity you're going to see in doing it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. With that, with that type of stuff. Yeah. You, you made a great point. Um, so to that point, it will, it will depend on how much you want to do, or like, I guess it just depends on how you want to look. You get to control your image when you get involved in technology like that. Like, like you said, I, I, I edit videos and I do a lot of my stuff to the point where people ask me who did mine. And I'm like, well, I did it, and then I get work like that. People send me stuff, and now I'm editing the other people's stuff, and that's kind of how I got a lot, of, a lot of my start. Like I, when I do beats, I mix, I mix them as I go, and when I send them out, and people ask me who mixed this stuff, and I'm like, I do. I do pretty much everything, and so I picked, I picked up a lot of work just by learning how to do it myself. So I mix the music. I create the logos, I create the album artwork, I do the photo shoot stuff, videography work, um, what else? The list goes on. Yeah. <laughs> I just learn, learn how to do all this stuff in order to stay on top, you know? You're like one of the people at uh, um, from A Living Color. I got 17 jobs, and I work at the flower <laughs> shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. I, I do it all. I do it all. Because I think... Um, even even back then when I got started, I was trying to be the next Motown. So I had like a crew of people. Like I, I had like a, I, I never called it the record label at that time, but I, I ran it like a label. Because even then I knew what it was to to say it's your label. And once you say your label, that means you paying advancements and you got this, this and that going on. Yeah, that's an expectation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, we did run like a label. I had like a production crew where I had I had artists under me and I was doing artist development and like showing them what to do, how to do this. And I was I was overseeing like the events in the, the local Chicago area. You know, just kinda like I guess I was Gordy in the in a sense, just there, making sure everything artist management. Yeah. I yeah. was the whole time. That's what's so Yeah. 
So that's what you was doing. What's coming up next? What you got going on now that, that you want to release to the general public? Okay, I released the album in 2008 called Soundcheck, and uh, I've been inspired to do another one. So I started to, to uh, focus on releasing another album years later, and I've worked on so many people's albums and stuff like that, and I neglected something that I, I did, you know. So I'll be working on that. I, I got I also got uh, some sound packs that I'm putting together that I'll be making available shortly. Um, right now, I, I, I've been focusing on, like, making uh, music courses online, teaching people music production and, like, tips and tricks, and, you know, that type of thing, um, making music for commercial style or... Um, branding, branding yourself, you know, that type of thing. I just try to, like, give back everything that I've learned that I think that will help people, and I put it in a course form. And yeah, So that's kind of where where I am. That's what's up. That's I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'll be checking out some of those courses. I need some of those advanced Absolutely. courses. I know you're going to start with some of your beginner and intermediate. Then when those advanced courses come around, because I didn't consume a lot of content at this point. I need to know those super secrets, the ones you, you know, you hesitate <laughs> to give away yet, <laughs> but I'm patient. So yeah. that's all good. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm working on that. That's what's up. That's I know a couple more things, but if you don't want to release them, we ain't got to release them to the public. That's all good. And the next part of the show will be the segment of say it to my face. And this is how we usually wrap up the show. And this is where mm-hmm. you give a shout out to somebody you haven't seen or talked to in a long time and you're trying to catch up with them again or just rekindle a spark of any sort that the connotation of say it to my face is usually something that's negative, right? And it's like something that insights where we flipped it all the way around and that's how we got to say it to my face. So for somebody you haven't seen, talked to, heard from, and so forth in a long time, if you could think I'm off the top of your head, first person come to mind, you can give them a shout-out here on the show, and hopefully we can get them to hear the episode, and then they'll be able to hear you say it directly to their face. So who you going to give a shout-out to on this segment of Say It To My Face? Wow, you put me on the spot there. We always do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh Okay, so it you said it is someone that I haven't seen in a while, right? And but that's your people. Was other deep- that's your people. Like y'all was thick as thieves. Go back like four flats on the Cadillac. Hmm. I think I think we got another person stumped. It's it's, it's kind of yeah. It's kind of hard for me because those people are still around me. The people I want around me. Okay. Well, you could <laughs> shout them out too. You could definitely shout them out too. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the people the people that roll with me that's been rolling with me since day one. Um, his name is Steve. Steve, uh, call him. Yeah, we call him Steve. Um, from Chicago, he's a musician just like I. We've been rolling forever, and it's just we still work together now. He's still in Chicago, and I'm I'm out here in Dallas, and he he still send me work. Okay. So it's just <laughs> shout out yeah. to Steve from Chicago. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So. When you when you get a chance to catch up with Steve, just let him know that's your dude. I'm sure you do already, but that's the segment said to my face. If you got any 
last words for the people that listen to the podcast today? Any information or you got something coming up that you want to drop or just say peace? I say subscribe to my YouTube channel because that's where all of the latest information regarding me and what I do and something I always say at the end of my videos, music is art, you're the artist, thank you, creature. Stay creative without rules. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, all right, all right, all right. That was just another episode of Hang at the House Podcast. Creative Sounds with a K. No I. Kevin Ellip. Kev Ellip. In the building. Giving y'all some game about who he is, what he is, how he do what he do. And how he found his stride in music, YouTube, and other ventures that he got going on. I hope y'all found some good information out of that or some inspiration out of that. Go check him out at his YouTube. Comment, like, subscribe, engage. Don't just lurk. You know, engage some. Let him know you like what he's doing. If you don't like, just keep it moving. Your mama always said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So we're going to get back at y'all next time around on the Hang at the House podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Watt, Vision House Studios. We want to thank y'all for y'all support. Y'all have a good week. Be easy. We'll holler. All right? Peace. Yes, sir.